The medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen into these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Geological. Today, we're visiting with Francis Turner. Francis spent 17 years touring and recording with a leading UK Baroque orchestra and ensemble. And during that time, began to get interested in Chinese medicine, which she has now been practicing and teaching for over 20 years. She now runs a clinic in Chelsea, England, and has gone deep into the current of Jingfang, the classic formulas, with Dr. Feng Shilun, who was one of the main students of the Shanghanlun master of the last century, Dr. Hu Shishu. Both doctors Feng and Hu have a unique perspective on the six levels which will be a part of our discussion today as we take a deep dive into the classic formulas and how they're used in modern practice and looking at some perspectives about the classic formulas and about the Shanghan Lun that you might not have been exposed to yet. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit Meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. 
This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up an available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. Francis, welcome to Geological. Well, thank you very much, Michael. Delightful to have you here. Uh, great to be here. So I suspect, as for most of us, you entered the world of Chinese herbal medicine via the methods and the paradigm of modern TCM. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I spent many, many years practicing and also teaching TCM and also trying to work out ways of teaching students in a way that would make it possible for them to learn it easily. And I spent many, many years trying to do that with varying success. Mm -hmm. So what is it that gave you the nudge toward working with this particular perspective, you know, as embodied by Feng Shui Lung? you know, and his mentor, Hu Shishu, what, what gave you sort of the heads up on this and what moved you in that direction? Partly it was luck, I'd say, because there was just a, an information sent round about um, Suzanne Robidoux's webinars with Dr. Feng Shalun. And, and um, I had a look at this and strangely, I just decided that I was never, ever going to do any more CPD. <laughs> oh, the universe is so generous with us, isn't it? You know, so you should never decide that kind of thing. So I looked at this thing and, and I got a kind of tingling feeling, which is the feeling I get when I think that I've absolutely got to do something. And so um, I pursued it. And even though the, the webinars were for US time and I'm in the UK, which meant that they were all in the middle of the night, I actually attended them all. And from the first one, it was absolutely clear to me that this was the thing that I'd been looking for. Dr. Fung presented the six syndromes and cases from all the six syndromes. And 
every time he presented something, it was like, oh, my goodness, that explains that. And, okay, right, that's obvious. And, you know, just, just like a whole load of pins dropping into place. Can you give us an example of one of those pins dropping into place, an example of him explaining something from the, you call it the six syndromes, we often call it the six levels here, or the six confirmations. I, I think we all know what we're talking about. Can you give us an example of, of one where you go, oh, well, that explains that? Well, one of the things is the Shaoyin. And I never understood the difference between the Shaoyin and the Zhuiyin and what particularly made which. And suddenly there was this explanation of the Shaoyin as an exterior syndrome. And to me, this was completely amazing. And the, the, the idea that you can treat an exterior syndrome with a concurrent interior deficiency, I suppose that, that's, that was one of the main things that suddenly it made sense of that whole syndrome. I remember reading in the various herb books when I was a student about these conditions where there might be an exterior excess with a concurrent internal deficiency. It kind of made sense in a, well, how do I want to say this? You know, it may, I could wrap my mind around it, but actually seeing it in clinic seemed to be a different thing. And here's the other thing for me. I remember learning the six levels. You've got your yang levels. You've got your yin levels. And to take the idea of a yin level thing, xiao yin in this case, and thinking of that as having an exterior component, that's just mind-blowing. Yeah, completely different. Absolutely different. And then this, this whole thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently is that the tai yin is absolutely the core of everything. So uh, apart from possibly the Taiyang Shanghan, which is the cold damage, where you use Mahuang formulas mainly, everything else has an element of Taiyang deficiency, even if it's not specifically um, named. So one of the core things that we're doing is we're deciding what kind of a Taiyang deficiency is there. So is it a Taiyang deficiency of body fluids or blood? Or is it more of a tie-in deficiency causing an excess of internal room or blood stasis? So that is underlying everything. It's underlying the Xiaoyin. It's even underlying the Taiyang Zhongfeng or Windstrike. When you say Taiyin, what are you referring to? The teaching from Dr. Fong here is that the syndromes are locations in the body. There are three locations, and each location has a yang and a yin syndrome. So the exterior of the body, the tai yang is the yang aspect of, and the xiao yin is the yin aspect of. Whereas the interior, the yang ming is the yang aspect, and the tai yin is the yin aspect. And then there's this other incredible concept, which is the half interior, half exterior, and that's the xiao yang and the zhui yin. So actually, essentially, it's a fairly simple concept of the body. But what you have to remember with the exterior, for example, is that the exterior includes everything pretty much that's not the internal organs. So it includes the bones and the muscles and the ligaments and the skin and the skin pores and all of that. Once you start to broaden it in that way, then it's easy to see how things like rheumatoid arthritis can be part of an exterior syndrome which means that then we can diagnose it as a Taiyang or a Xiaoyin. Okay, so 
I understand that you spent some time with this. I suspect the people that are listening to our conversation are perhaps having a moment like I'm having right now, which is, how do I wrap my mind around this? Because we had, at least in the schooling that I had, and, and I, I suspect it's very similar to the schooling that many of you know, those of you that are listening right now have had, it's like there's exterior or there's interior. And basically, if it has the name Yang in it, it's exterior. And if it has the name Yin in it, it's interior. But I'm hearing you say something really different here because you're calling Yang Ming an interior level. Do I have that right? Yeah. This is the understanding of the six syndromes is absolutely different from Yang being exterior and Yin being interior. Just to reiterate, you have three locations and each location has a Yang and a Yin syndrome. Right. And when you say three locations, what are we referring to here? So we're referring to the exterior and to the interior. Oh, in the half and half. Half exterior. Right. So that the exterior is a location in the body. So when you get an invasion, it's not exterior because something's coming from the outside. It's exterior because the disease is manifesting in the areas of the body which are considered to be exterior. Ah. That's the skin, the muscles, the bones, the joints. Sometimes the lungs and the nose can be part, or the head can be part of the exterior. Got it. I, I can see why this can make it so confusing for many of us that when we think of something exterior, we, we're thinking of something coming from the exterior as opposed to something manifesting in the exterior of the body itself. And that's really where the focus is with this. Am I correct in that? Absolutely. That's completely right. Okay. It's kind of like looking at one of those funny pictures. Well, they weren't, they're not pictures. I, I forget what they're called, but it, it used to be a popular thing in the Sunday newspaper here in the United States maybe 20 years ago. You look at this image. Actually, it was not an image. It looked like a television screen full of static, if you're old enough to remember what that looked like. Yeah, I but, am, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> but if you hold your eyes just right, you'll actually see that there's an image, there's a picture on the inside, and it's actually in three dimensions. Did you ever see those things? Absolutely. Yeah, you have to defocus in a particular way, and there it is. Yeah. And there it is. And not only there it is, it has a certain dimensionality, and you can actually walk around and look around inside of it once your focus is that way. Yeah, quite right. I'm going to have to put a link to the, on the show notes page to some of those things, because some of our listeners may not know what we're talking about, but once they see it and get it, I, I think they'll, they'll understand what we're talking about here. Perhaps you could find a Chinese dragon. <laughs> I'll see what I can do about that. You know, some years ago, I stumbled across one of Dr. Hu Shishu's books when I was in China. For some reason at that point, I don't know, this was 10 or 12 years ago, the Jingfang was becoming very popular again in China, and the bookstores were full of all kinds of things that maybe hadn't been printed for a long time. And I remember picking up this book of Hu Shishu's and beginning to read it and coming up to this very thing that we're talking about, although... After speaking with you, I feel like I understand it better now. 
The thing that really got my attention about this is the way not only that that we look at the six confirmations or the six syndromes, as, as you say, but that there's ways that they connect that we use in clinic, but we don't really think about. So let me give you an example. The Xiaoyang in the Zhiyin, at least as I was taught, Xiaoyang goes into Taiyin when we're thinking about how things get transmitted. And then you got the Zhiyin, which is down at the bottom somewhere, and it turns into Yang, but nobody could ever explain to me how it turned into Yang. You know, it was just like, it's the end of Yin, it's the beginning of Yang. It's collapse, exhaustion, maybe death. Yang comes out of that. And it never made sense to me until I looked in this book and saw that, well, and this is, as you pointed out, the half interior, half exterior, the Zhiyin and the Xiaoyang are the yin and yang aspects of each other. Exactly. So there, there's a number of things in there. One of the things that occurs to me is that I remember Dr. Feng Shalun saying, death comes from the Taiyin, not from the Zhiyin, which is, uh, I think, interesting. And he considers that all the death clauses are to do with the Taiyin. Even if it says in, a, in the beginning of the phrase, in a Xiaoyan syndrome, if there is diarrhea, then you treat with Sinitang or whatever. He says that in that case, that means that there's been a transmission from the Xiaoyan to the Taiyan, because a diarrhea is a Taiyan sy symptom that is an interior cold symptom. And that is the, the core of the Shanghan Lun, is to protect us from cold, which is what kills us. That was one thing that came out of what you said for me just then. Mm -hmm. The second thing that came out of it was that it's very clear to me from having watched Dr. Fung in clinic that there's no set line of transmission from one syndrome to another. So that it, a disease can start in the Taiyang and then it can transmit, for example, from oversweating or purging someone inappropriately, it can transmit to the Yangming or it can transmit to the Taiyin, or it can transmit to the Xiaoyin. There's no guarantee that it's going to transmit into any particular way. That is actually very free, because it means that you can absolutely follow the symptoms to where they're going. And, uh, and it's very real in clinic, that. So it's not like a train schedule where this train arrives, and then it goes here, and then it goes here, and then it goes there. It's more like cold comes in, it could transmit anywhere, and it's our job to figure out where is it now and where might it be going. Absolutely. And even, you know, even if you have an idea of what might happen, really the job is where is it now? The whole thing is in the present. It's like it doesn't really matter what happened last week. Like patients always want to come and tell you what happened last week, but the herbs that you give them are dependent on what is happening today. And that's why we don't give people herbs for long periods of time, because these formulas are really strong and they really do what they say they do. So, you know, after you've had the, the formula for a week or maybe two weeks, you want to know exactly what's happened. And some formulas, maybe even two days or three days. So you get to know which formulas act in which particular ways in terms of the length of time that you can leave people on them. 
but basically you don't you, you assume that things are going to change you don't assume you're going to put somebody on a formula that suits them and they'll be on it for the rest of their life no that's i mean that's antithetical to chinese medicine thinking in the first place it is but it is you know there are a lot of patients they like a formula and they say can i have that one again it's like no you can't you haven't got the symptoms anymore <laughs> <laughs> you know this is this I think this is just the way us human beings are. We something comes along and it helps us and we go, I love it, I want it forever. You know, likewise something comes along and we have a bad experience, we go, I hate it forever. And yet in that moment we love it or in that moment we hate it, but really how do we connect with this moment? And especially as practitioners, how do we connect? And see where is it now? Because I, I don't know about you, but I know myself I can get kind of lazy sometimes. And I'm thinking, well, this has worked before. You know, I think I'm seeing basically the same thing I saw before. But, you know, sometimes it's just because, well, it's been working. So let's not mess with it until maybe it's not working. How do you sort of focus your clinical eye, so to speak, so that you can see what's happening right now? Um, it's it's a question of tracking symptoms. So from the Jing Fan point of view, what, what you're looking for is a symptom picture. And that includes the tongue and pulse. And if you have, let's say, if you have dry throat, blurry vision, and uh, thirst and ribside pain, for example, you know you're in the Xiaoyang or possibly the Dreyin because those are the core symptoms of heat above. So, but you're looking for all of them. If you just have the dry mouth, you're probably not, or you may not be. So what you're doing is you're looking at all the, all the symptoms they tell you, and then there are specific symptoms that you're checking out all the time and yeah, making a diagnosis on that basis. Hello, everyone. Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory, practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much. What are some of the key things? You say there are certain symptoms that you're checking for all the time. Are there some key things that you're looking for that help you to orient to what's going on with people? So you're trying to work out hot and cold a lot of time. So, yeah, dry mouth, thirst, that's a, a good one. And urination, bowels, normal things, really. Um, sweating, heat, heat at night, night symptoms in general. 
bloating, digestive difficulties, and then coughs and colds, or just coughs and wheezing and sinus problems. You know, you want the whole lot. It's a whole picture thing. There are certain lines in the Shanghai Lun, as I know, I'm sure you know, that give you the key symptoms for each pattern. Oh, the Shanghai Lun's full of that kind of thing. It, it's full of it. And really, the more I do this, the more I realize that the way to get better at this medicine is to learn the Shanghai Lun and to really know, okay, like line 263 is my main heat above symptoms. And, you know, lines one to three are my main Taiyang symptoms. And line or clause 20 is my main Shaoyin clause. It sounds a bit kind of geeky, but it really is important to do it. I had a patient recently with uh, some bad acid reflux, which she didn't usually have, but but she had it. Actually, I've been reading Feng Lun's book with our friend uh, Paula Campanelli. We're slowly chewing through it. And I mean, basically line by line, right? So we're learning some different lines and the things that go with it. And I had just done Guizhou Tang Jia Guizhou, which is basically Guizhou Tang with more Guizhou, right? Yeah. And this is for Buntu. This is for running piglet. This is for things going up, including, you know, acid reflux. And there's a thing in there in, in Dr. Fung's book about how this can also be brought about by improper Qigong practices. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. I mean, how often are you going to see someone who's improperly practicing Qigong and they've got this kind of, you know, running piglet thing and, and you know, the various symptoms that go with things going upwards. Later that week, I get a patient who really didn't suffer from acid reflux, but now she had it. And it was really bad. And then she was telling me about this new meditative practice that she does where she sits and she brings the energy from the lower part of her body and she brings it upwards. Huh. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. And I'm like. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so you thought close 117. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I'm, you know, and I'm nervous as a, cat in a room full of rocking chairs because generally speaking I look at her and I go oh this is a woman who's much more of like a uh, a ban sha type constitution this is some of the stuff I picked up from Dr. Huang right and and I'm thinking give her guager oh my god you know I I mean her tongue's already kind of red this could go really badly right it's going to go either really badly or it's going to help her so I give her just a few days worth Right and send her home, and uh, I'll be darned. But it helped, and I, you know, I gave her some more, and and she's in way better shape now. And I also suggested that she try a slightly different meditation practice. <laughs> but I mean, there it was. I mean, it was it was in those lines. And how was I able to use that in the clinic? Because I, I happened to have those lines in my head because I'd read it that week. So we really do have to kind of cultivate that and have it in us to be able to see it out in the world. Absolutely. And the more I read it, the more I realize it's describing conditions that I see every day. It's just about translating the language used into something which sounds familiar to me. And, and you know, realizing it. Like I've been uh, working on the Tetany chapter of the Jingwei. That's chapter two. And, you know, what is this Tetany thing? 
And it's actually to do with both rigidity and convulsion, so both ends of that. And this idea that there are two different types, really, the soft and the hard, and, and how, how you would deal with it. And it's so interesting that immediately one of my patients walks in today and she says, and now I've just started shaking. She's somebody who has MS. And it became really obvious that I needed to use one of the formulas that I'd been working on from the Tetany chapter of the Jingwei. And it, it, it's extraordinary the way that happens, that as soon as you work on something, the patient arrives. Yeah, when, when we start to look at it, we can begin to see it. Can you tell us a little more about that patient and how you're treating her with this particular perspective? This is a patient who has MS, or she has just been given a diagnosis, although for a long time she had a doctor who wouldn't give her a diagnosis because it seemed like there was just some brain inflammation that would happen and then go away again and then happen again. I'm basically treating her with a, a Chai Hu prescription. So it's Chai Hu Guija Ganjang Tang, but I've got the Guija way up at 30. That's because of the degree of upsurging qi that she has which is massive. This is just a huge prescription. I've, what else have I got in there? Let's see. I've got Huang Qi in there as an addition of 40 grams. And then the Chai Hu Huang Qi and Tianhua Fen are at the normal dosages, but the Ganjang is also way up. It's doubled at 12. And I'm treating her for this, these extraordinary sensations in her bones. So she gets like really cold sensations and burning sensations, and then that's um, combined with dizziness. And if she takes the formula, all of the upsurging she goes, it just goes. And if she doesn't, it comes back again. And then I have to say, you have to look at these, you have to look at your patients in the context of their lives as well, and not just see Jing Fang as something that's going to solve everything, because she's somebody who is trying to do something that is impossible. And, and until she stops trying to do that, it's going to be difficult for her to get better. What do you mean she's trying to do something impossible? She's running a um, an artistic company that cannot run in the way that it's running. And I can't really say any more because yeah, of yeah, I understand. confidentiality issues. Of course. But it, it's, it's something which is really wonderful what she's doing, but the funding is not really there. And, yeah, it's a complicated issue. It's one of those things that I think that our lives and our health are completely, they're completely entwined somehow. And you can take herbs and it will make you feel better. But unless you actually address the cause of what's happening, you're not going to get completely better. Oh, boy. Don't you think? I see this all the time. I see it all the time. That sometimes people come in. And they've got this thing, and they go, this is the thing that's wrong with me. And yet, sometimes the thing that, I'm using air quotes here, the thing that's wrong with them, in some ways, is the thing that's right about them. Yes. Yeah? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Strength and weakness in the same place. Yeah. You know, it's like some people have a real superpower because they're very sensitive. It makes them a great artist or a great writer or a wonderful pot, you know, whatever. But that sensitivity also, I mean, they think they're broken because of their sensitivity, and yet it's the source of so much 
of their generativity. That's absolutely true. And then I think, you know, this particular patient, I've been working with her now for about two years. And partly I think that the herbs have made her able to continue doing what she's doing. And then I think, oh, well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because should she have been able to? But then who must to say? <laughs> I, I have had the same thought run through my mind. Am I helping them or hurting them by helping them to get through this thing that's hurting them? Yes. But yeah, again, again, who am I to say? Exactly. So if someone comes to me for herbs and my herbs make them feel better, that's all I can do is give them herbs. And I will always do my absolute best to make themselves feel as better as they can. But, you know, this is another thing with the jingfang. What, how, for me, jingfang is different from other ways of looking at herbs is that somehow it supports the body's own ability to make itself well. Mm. And, and I think that's because, going back to what I was talking about at the beginning, it's because it really starts in the tai yin. And if I'm looking at this formula that I've given this particular patient I'm talking about, there are quite a lot of tie-in herbs in there supporting everything, underlying everything. And if we can get somebody's tie-in to work well, the digestion to work well, and the body fluids to be nourished and generated, then the person can make themselves well if the conditions are right in their life. And that, that's the way I work with the rest of my practice. It's where I work the way I work with acupuncture and healing that I also do. So I love that about Jing Fang, that it has this focus. Well, you know, it reminds me a bit. I mean, when I hear you say the tie-in, I mean, I immediately think of the digestive system as well. I mean, the lungs to some degree and what they do, but primarily the digestive system. And it makes me think about Li Dongyuan, you know, and, and the earth school. Yes. I mean, here's another echo. Here's another doctor in another dynasty, hundreds of years later, looking at something similar. Yes, indeed. And of course, Li Dongyuan would have, have been absolutely familiar with the Shan Han Lun and the Jingwei. Otherwise, he could never have written the formulas that he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is that about... Uh, uh, artists, all artists steal, really great artists steal shamelessly. <laughs> and everyone stands on the shoulders of the people that went before them. Yes, we do. We do. And, and that's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to get back to something. <laughs> you know, Lee Don Yuen is a fantastic, he's a fantastic uh, doctor. And I love his formulas. The thing that I like about the Shang Han Lun and the Feng Shilin approach is that when I'm trying to teach students how to prescribe Chinese herbal medicine, it gives a delimited number of herbs and formulas, and it gives a really clear system about how to use them. It says, you know, if you've got a Tai Yang Tai Yin together, you treat from the Tai Yin, except if there's upsurging qi or excessive pain. That's really clear. If you've got a Tai Yang, Tai, uh, a tai yang, yang Ming together, you treat from the Tai Yang. And then you, you can deal with the Yang Ming possibly at the same time, or possibly it will just go away of its own accord. So very, very clear. And as a teacher, I really like that. And as a practitioner, I really like that. 
Well, as a practitioner, it's a lifesaver because so often we see these concurrent situations and it's like, okay, great. I see these two concurrent situations, but where do I begin? How do I start to untie this knot? Exactly, exactly. And we find that uh, to treat from the Taiyan in a Taiyan Taiyan is repeated throughout the Shanghan Lun in, in about, I don't know, six or seven clauses. So it was a really important thing. And of course, then you realize that that's because you have to stop loss of body fluids. So you've got to generate the body fluids and then you can do anything. And that goes back to the Taiyan again. It sounds like you have studied this long enough and deep enough and used it in your clinic and have enough experience that there's a few sort of axioms, I guess you could say. I mean, you just rattled a few off to us about, oh, there's this, there's that. This is where you begin. Yes, I think that's probably true. I've been doing this now since 2014. So where are we now? We're in 2018. So it's four years and previous to that, you know, I already knew my herbs and formulas, really. I've been teaching them for 10 years or more. So, yeah, I think I do begin to know it. And I, I use it every week in clinic. And I teach a, an apprenticeship training in clinic every week. So what that does is it gives us a chance to look at things as a group and to discuss things and to discuss things clinically. You know, these symptoms could be this, or perhaps they could be that. Well, we'll try this, and then if this happens, we'll know it wasn't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes, so yes, absolutely. You have, you have an idea. You don't always precisely know because you don't always have the exact symptom picture or all the symptoms. And sometimes you have to take a punt on it. You say, okay, no, I think it's this, and you have to nail your flag to the mast and give the formula, and then you get the feedback, and then you know exactly. And then you know what to do. I had a teacher when I was in school who said to us one day, he said, you'll know you really know an herb or you really know a formula when you have used it and it's worked, and you've used it and it hasn't, and you know why. Yes, exactly. When somebody has a reaction and you can read that formula and you can say, okay, the reaction is because of this herb. Like I had a patient the other day, she has the beginnings of Parkinson's and I was using longumuli. Now the longumuli were at 15 each, which is the standard dosage. At a certain point, I raised them and then they, she had heavy feelings in her legs. And I read that formula and there was nothing else in it that could have done that. And as soon as I put the longamuli back down to 15, it was fine. So, you know, that kind of thing. You learn that by clinic. That's absolutely the only way of learning. Yeah, it takes a bit of courage to do this work. It does, yes. A courage and attentiveness to what we're doing. You know, we're going to be wrong a lot of the time. It's, you know, Jingfeng is reasonably robust. I think it's like you can be more or less right and you'll get a fairly good result. If you're absolutely right, you get an amazing result. It, that's when you get like the keys in the lock and it turns and it gets that satisfying click. And that's, great. that's great. But quite a lot of the time you get it more or less right. And then the patient is enough better that the thing has stopped bothering them. That is also all right, I think. 
And if you get it completely wrong, then the patient really will feel terrible. But you know why. Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP-certified facilities, and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code CHI2024 to receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. And then you can do something about it. And then hopefully you've learned something about the formula that you gave them. And that's what obviously happened at the time of Jan Zhongjing, because he is um, always saying, you know, if this, this and this happens because the doctor has inappropriately sweated or purged or inappropriately done something or else, other, then you do this. Then you use this formula. So that, like every other line, is about how to deal with the doctor doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe the Shanghai Lunch should be renamed. You know, there. I mean, there is the classic of difficulties. Maybe we should call the Shanghai Lun the classic of mistakes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> quite. It is quite funny, really. Hi, it's Toby here again. I use the Chinese Nutritional Strategies app to answer the question, what foods can I recommend for my patients with insomnia? The answer, drawn from the Chinese medical classic texts are beef liver, beets, chicken eggs, hops, lily bulbs, longans, lotus seed, mulberries, oysters, Russian olives, spinach, wheat, and yogurt. The Chinese Nutritional Strategies app has hundreds of clinical indications like insomnia in its database of more than 300 common foods. This is along with their temperature, flavor, actions, notes, seasonal recommendations, and differential diagnosis categories. This database is searchable by any of these criteria, and sorting through it allows the practitioner to compile a list of recommended foods and then share those recommendations via email or as a hard copy with the patient. More information is available at the ChineseNutritionApp.com. I, I want to come back just for a moment to Guager. You mentioned a little while ago that there was a formula that you used for this person with MS. And uh, you really bumped up the Guager in it. I did. So Guager is an interesting thing. It's a food-grade herb. It's used a lot in cooking and baking. Everybody's familiar with cinnamon. And... It's so common. I think it might be easy to write off 
what a powerful medicinal it actually is. I'd like to get your hit, your riff on Guajir and, and what it does, what it does really well, and also some cautions that people might want to use around its use. Again, it's a very common substance, but I, you know, there's contraindications. So could you give us a little riff on, uh, on cinnamon twig? Sure. So um, cinnamon twig is great. It, it warms the interior in order to help the body release the exterior. So that's the first thing it does. And there are very specific dosages for guaja. So in that instance, you use 10 grams, no problem. Secondly, it descends the upsurging of qi, as you were talking about. And that's the guaja jiao guai. And in that case, you have to increase the dosage to 15 grams at least. But you can increase it to 15 or 18 or 20 or 24. Normally, I don't go up above 24. This one that I just quoted was a very exceptional one. So that's for upsurging qi. The third thing that it does is it stops pain. And it stops pain, which is pain from an exterior syndrome. And the most pain actually has an exterior component at least. And guaja is absolutely amazing, sometimes in combination with some other herbs, of course. Um, so th those are three main things. And the fourth thing is that it can actually help skin disease if the skin disease is from an exterior syndrome. And that's another interesting one because it's, it's hot, but it can actually help skin disease, which is manifesting as hot on the skin. And I think the reason for that is that it's exterior heat. So the key things about a, um, a Taiyang syndrome is that the heat is on the exterior, if there is heat which normally manifests as fever, but could manifest as heat in the skin. Those are some of the, the ways that you can use guaja. What you have to remember is that guaja does slightly promote sweating. So the contraindication comes because of that, because if someone has a huge amount of body fluid deficiency, you don't want to promote sweating. And for that reason, you have guaja chu guai jiao baiju fu ling tang which I think is clause 28, something like that, which is where you have a guaja tang pattern where you take out the guaja and instead you put fuling and baiju or tsangju. And what that means is that there's body fluid deficiency in a taiyang exterior. So it's taiyang taiyang, but there is not, there is much more body fluid deficiency. And the other clause where that happens is it's in the Jingwei chapter six, which is the Shulao chapter. And let me think which line, I think it's line eight, where you have Guija Jalongu Mulitang. And then in that line, you also have Ar Jalongu Mulitang. So Guija Jalongu Mulitang is for a Taiyang Yangming syndrome. So you've got a Guija Tang plus Longu Muli. Ar Jalongu Mulitang is the same plus Futsa and Baiwei. And the Futsa and Baiwei push that formula into the Shaoyin in the, in the six syndrome differentiation system. And a Shaoyin is an exterior syndrome with underlying lack of body fluids. In that case, in the Jingwei, the Guija is removed because it was considered to promote body fluids too much, to, to promote sweating too much. To use this particular system, this particular way of working, 
you really have to know what levels you're looking at. Oh, definitely. You've got to be able to dial that piece in very, very clearly. You have to learn the basic symptoms for each of the patterns, for each of the syndromes. And that, so, so for each of the syndromes, then you have to learn the basic symptoms for each of the formula patterns. <laughs> and you have to see how they match each other. In fact, you learn them both at once, naturally. It arises naturally. Sure. It's, it's sort of a yin-yang process. You're yeah, looking yeah. from two different perspectives to inform how they work together. Yeah. So we've been talking about this particular way of working. And, you know, Jingfang these days, and there's a number of different streams of Jingfang. It's not an unusual thing these days. People know about it. But most of us have walked through that gate of TCM. You know, much like a native tongue, I think it's harder to acquire other languages when our thought process defaults to the first thing we learned. And, and I think it's the same with practicing medicine as well, right? So for those of us that are looking to acquire this whole new perspective on illness and treatment, like with this current from Dr. Fung and Dr. Uh, Dr. Hu, what are some ways to approach the study of using the Jingfang, you know, when our first language, so to speak, is TCM. How do we learn to acquire this new language? Any thoughts on that? Any ways that people can start to work with this and, and, and have some direction that they can follow? Okay, so at the moment, there are several possibilities around for the six syndrome differentiation system. Um, one is that um, Dr. Robidoux is going around the world teaching a comprehensive course in various different countries. So that's one possibility would be to attend one of those courses and to learn it in a, a kind of more structured form or in a structured form. So yeah, I'm just going through each of the syndromes and what the pictures are and what it means and all of that in a theoretical way. So that's one way of doing it. The second way of doing it is the way that I've decided to do it, which is to simply run a clinic and to open the clinic to people to come along and work with me. And that way is more of a, a kind of an organic way of learning it. The third thing is the resource materials that we have. So one of the things, one of the great gifts that Suzanne has given us is the translation of Dr. Fung's webinars. Those are available on DVD, so you can actually buy, you can buy a copy from me. I have copies here and you can actually immerse yourself in it and listen to him talking and listen to her translating it and um, while away many happy hours. <laughs> so that's, that's the way of doing it. There is a lack of source text still. So we were very much hoping that Dr. Fung's uh, yellow book will be translated into English. I don't know whether that's something that's on the cards. Maybe you'd like to do that, Michael. Oh, boy. That would only take about seven years of my life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So what we do at the moment, we use the Wiseman translation, more or less, of the texts in my apprenticeship, but we don't use the commentary because it's not always the same. Well, in fact, the commentary can be very, very different. While, And I've seen this in Dr. Fung's book, and I've seen this in, in Dr. Hu's book. They will 
take a line from the Shang Han Lun and give you, you know, a rough explanation of the line from the Shang Han Lun, which you can get from Wiseman. You can get it. I mean, there's lots of places. Yeah. But then they go and put their own spin on it, which kind of gets into some of the stuff that we're talking about. They've got their own. It's like, here's, here's what it says. Here's sort of the standard way of reading it. And here's how we think about it. And then they go into, you know, like the stuff that we've been talking about. And it's, it can be very, very different. It is. And we, as a, a group, we're working on our interpretation, our commentaries of this, um, of the Shanghai Lun and the Jingwei, which maybe at some point will be published. Who knows? But it's such an enormous job that, oh, it, yeah. you know, to do something like that is, yeah, we'll see. But that's what we use day to day. We use our own commentary. And, that, and our own commentary has been taken from Dr. Fung, really, mainly from the work that I've done with him. Yeah. And I could grow a group out in 2016 as well. So there are quite a number of us who went and, and observed in his clinics and discussed things with him. Well, a book of commentary would be very useful because when you look at any of the classical literature, there's always tons of commentary. I mean, doctors in Chinese medicine talk to each other through the centuries through commentary. Exactly. So what I'm thinking that we will just produce our own commentary on the Shanghan Lun, which will be informed partly by Dr. Fong, partly by um, the translations of Suzanne Robidoux, partly by our own clinical experience. And I think that, you know, that is the only thing that anyone can ever do, really, is, is to present their experience from, and to acknowledge their teachers. Do you see what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And to take the experience that we get from our teachers in clinic, meaning our patients. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's absolutely vital. I mean, I, I, I will just say that sometimes Jing Fang is really works in clinic exactly how it's supposed to. So that, for, for example, I had a patient who came six weeks post-viral and she was absolutely exhausted with body pains all over. And she still had periodic heat sensations that could have been mistaken for hot flushes. But um, I didn't think they were. And foggy head and dizziness. And, and I have to say that five packs of Shao Chai Hu Tang plus Lingue Jugan Tang and three packs of packs of um, follow-up of the same formula but with the Chai Hu at a normal dosage instead of a raised dosage absolutely stopped it. It stopped it dead and she's now completely fond. And that is somebody who could have just gone on and on and on and gone into chronic fatigue well, chronic fatigue or ended up with uh, going to a conventional doctor and being prescribed some medicine for the rest of their life that would lock them into the situation and perhaps make it worse. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it was just absolutely clear that there was still some kind of an infection going on that was subclinical in Western terms. I really think that we shouldn't underestimate this medicine. Well... There's a couple of times in this conversation we've talked about when the formula is right, it just clicks like a key and a lock. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know I've had this experience. I hear from from the tone in your voice, you do too. There, there's a part of us that goes, holy smokes, it worked that well and it worked that quickly. 
Yes. But it really, really can. It can. And that's what's got to go into a book. That kind of case where it does exactly what it's supposed to. And on the other hand, what should go in is the person with MS, where it works very, very well, but within a context that's really, really difficult. So both sides, I think, should go in because it's very easy just to put the the easy, quick cases in something like that. Yeah, it's good to put in the tough ones. So when will you be publishing this? Oh, who knows? We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Uh, Great. Well, Francis, I really enjoy the time that we spent here together. Any closing remarks, anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners here before we say goodbye for today? Just that if anyone is wanting to study Chinese herbal medicine, this is a really good way to start because it's absolutely possible and learnable. And TCM is such a vast ocean. It's, it's huge. And I'm not saying that TCM doesn't work because it obviously does. But, you know, to find a teacher who will teach you which formulas to use and which formulas not to use is almost impossible. There are just too many formulas and too many herbs. So this, it gives you a really good grounding in Chinese herbal medicine. And then after that, you can go off any way you like. You know, you can study any other doctor you like, but you'll absolutely know your basic herbs. And the number of herbs that you need is, you know, less than 100. If they're acupuncturists and they want to study herbs, it's a really good way to start. So this is sort of the lazy person's way to study herbs. You don't need to have as many and you don't need to think as broadly. Well, you could say that, but on the other hand, what you find is that the rigors of the diagnosis are anything but lazy, as we've been talking about with the learning the clauses and learning the syndromes and the patterns, and you really do need to learn them. So I think that my students would take exception with lazy students. <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of teasing. You know, and oh, yeah. you, you mentioned this before, we were talking briefly about Li Dongyuan. And you were saying, yeah, his a lot of his stuff came from the Shang Han Lun. So if you know your Shang Han Lun, in many ways, it will help you to understand some of the other vast amount of formulas that are inside of TCM. I think that's completely right. And of course, many of the TCM formulas are Shang Han Lun formulas. Yes. It's a beautiful system and it works very well. And I would not have been able to sit here and say that to you when I was doing TCM. And have had the right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There, well, there's a real elegance to this work. Mm, there really is. Francis, again, thanks for making the time today. Well, thank you very much, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.